Hello everyone, this is Drew Precious, Director of Communications at the Presidential Precinct. I'm pleased to welcome you to Season 3 of the Global Founders Podcast. Here we will share highlights of our latest virtual programming initiatives, originally aired as Zoom events on the Presidential Precinct Network, featuring the voices of our program alumni and trusted experts working to further any of our six core focus areas. Thank you for joining us today on the Global Founders Podcast. everybody uh, to what I think will likely be our final 2020 talk for the year 2020. We're so glad you could join us today. Uh, I'm Nancy Hopkins, Director of Programs at the Presidential Precinct, and we launched this series back in the spring uh, to enable us to stay connected with the wonderful members of our broader network and also to continue to put some good ideas out there in the world about uh, social change and how it happens. It's been a lot of fun. We've had some really interesting conversations and we're looking forward to continuing this series um, through 2021. So today we're gonna dig into the question of what contributes to effective online learning. I know that many of you, like uh, those of us here at the precinct have really leaned into online learning um, during this uh, time of COVID, um, either as a, as a learner or as a, a trainer and instructor. But the fact is that online learning has been around for a long time. Um, there are folks who've been immersed in this stuff for years and they already know a lot about what works and what makes for effective online learning. Um, and so we thought we would have a conversation about that today that can help inform all of our efforts going forward. Um, that's why I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Kristen Palmer, the Director of Online Learning Programs at the University of Virginia. Kristen started her career at Hewlett Packard, and she has worked for uh, other major companies like eBay, Disney, and Intuit. Uh, she's also an entrepreneur, uh, and she started her own business called the Eco Mama in 2008. Uh, in 2012, uh, Kristen became uh, the program manager for the Coursera project at UVA. Uh, many of you are familiar with Coursera. It's a very large online learning platform that offers um, free and certificate uh, online learning courses. And some of you are probably yourself taking courses there. Uh, Kristen received her bachelor's degree from Rochester Institute of Technology and a master's in learning design and technology from Stanford University. And she has a doctorate in education and leadership and change from Fielding University. So welcome, Kristen. We're so glad you could join us uh, here today and look forward to hearing from you and especially to um, engaging with those uh, who have joined in today. And I would encourage you, um, if you've joined, to, to say hello in the chat. Let us know who you are and where you're dialing in from. It's always fun to remind ourselves that, um, that we're gathering here today from all over the world. It's always really exciting. Uh, so Kristen, I'm gonna hand the floor over to you. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Um, on a technical note, we have Nancy has volunteered to kind of check the chat and make sure that any questions that come up in the chat, um, I'm going to ask about sharing stories a little later. Um, so she's going to help me on making sure that if you participate in the chat, you are heard. So please know that um, we have people looking, we have eyes on that, and we'd love to hear what you're thinking about. Um, because we are broadcasting our webinar, the features and functionalities of Zoom change. And I'm not sure if folks are coming on to this webinar on their cell phone, if they are in a cafe or if they're in the laptop. So <clears throat> we definitely wanna hear from you. Um, we're not sure what functionality everybody has. We've got a couple of polls that we're gonna ask throughout the talk. Um, 
And I'd love to have some people share stories. And so just to set your expectations that I'd love to hear from you um, during the chat. Um, oh, Siddiqui's here. Hi, Siddiqui. Um, He's our partner for Distance Education of Africa. Um, I'm going to go through a presentation today where I talk about cracking the code of online learning and some of the research behind creating effective online classrooms. Um, and then we'll share some stories of what has worked for you in the past and what that might look like virtually. And um, I'm going to talk about the Distance Education of Africa program and what we're doing with that program, reaching learners in Africa. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen and go through a presentation. Can everybody see my screen? I'll ask Nancy or um, Drew to come off and talk if you can't see it. So this is me. Um, and the main thing I wanted to talk about for the research framework for online learning and what we've used at the University of Virginia in our programs is a concept called the community of inquiry. And we're gonna dive into each of these circles in the Venn diagram, but this research framework really looks at three different components of an effective online environment. Um, cognitive presence is the meat and bones, the content of the course. It's what we traditionally think about when we think about a course, the readings that you're doing, the quizzes that you have, <clears throat> any assignments. Um, Teaching presence is how you are showing up as an instructor to your class. And social presence is really building that community. And we have this, um, at the University of Virginia, we have this physically in our buildings. Um, you, you can go onto the lawn and wahoo wah, we have our sport team. Um, so really these three different components together build an effective educational environment. And, I would argue that this is for face-to-face -face as well as virtual instruction. But today we're gonna to be talking about virtual. So cognitive um, presence is really the meat of your course. And it's what in the rush for COVID, everybody put online. So we, we had learning management systems at the University of Virginia. We have six different learning management systems, but this was the, the frantic rush to put all the content online. And it's stating what your learning objectives are. It's creating assignments um, that students are doing. It's doing quizzes for students. And, and in the world of online learning, you really wanna make sure you have clear learning objectives. You wanna make sure that whatever assignments you're giving map to those learning objectives. So it's clear for the student why they're learning or why they're doing that activity. And in the world of online learning, we recommend doing frequent low stake assessments. There are formative and summative assessments. So in my personal research, I found that university students like um, gaming quizzes to learn the concepts. And so frequent low stakes assessment is uh, a great practice to have. But the, the cognitive presence in community of inquiry is that, that main content of the course itself. Teaching presence is you showing up as an instructor and really connecting with your students. Frequently we see this with an introductory survey of just trying to understand who is in my class what are they bringing with them? What, where, where do they wanna go in their life? How is what I'm teaching them 
relevant to where they want to go? How can I help them on that journey? It's being available in office hours. It's reaching out to students. If you notice students are you know, not connecting or not showing up or, or struggling. Um, so that's teaching presence. And I'd like to take a minute. Does anybody in the chat and Nancy, if you can come off mute so you can help me figure out um, if, does anybody have a story of how they connected to an instructor in their education? Because I think as an educator, this is the this is the magical moment that makes education important for people where they feel like they were seen by an instructor. I hear Nancy typing. Anybody have a good story from the attendees that they can come off mute and talk to a time that they felt that they really connected to an instructor? For me, my moment was in grad school with my master's degree. And I had uh, my program advisor. I had a day where I met with him about my course load and I felt like the world opened up where he listened and connected with me and understood what drove me. And he showed me this world of possibilities that I had no idea was there. And I felt like he was a guide for entering that world. Does anybody have any stories from when they connected to an instructor? And it doesn't have to be school. It can be kind of a mentor person in your personal life or through um, social organizations you have. Uh, Kristen, it looks like uh, Daniel actually posted a, a great example. Um, maybe you want to read it out from the chat and live as well. So I can read lives. I had a professor in undergrad that kept reminding me that working harder is not the way to get ahead. Excellent point. For women especially, it takes more than just working well. You also need networking and planning. That is an excellent one. Um, office hours, walking to class, feedback on assignments. I know a lot of times uh, just instructors showing up before class, right? So in, when we have a physical classroom, um, being able to show up before class for students that are coming in early and have questions or hanging out after class for additional questions or um, students to follow up. I love Ruth's this, you know, having the one experience where the person pulled together all of the aggregated, I'll read it for folks that can't see the chat. So Ruth wrote, I was in a three-day leadership course. I had been studying leadership on my own for two years, but it was all over the place. This man's perspective pulled everything together. Seven years later, I was working for him because we clicked. Fantastic. 
But that's, these are such great examples of teaching presence. It's that connecting to someone and feeling that they're showing up for you as the student. Um, and as the instructor, you're showing up for your students. And so many people in education are in education because they want to have the people that they're working with thrive and they, and they want to connect. They think, you know, their students are just wonderful human beings and where they're going to go in their lives. And so um, that's teaching presence. And figuring out how to do that online um, requires a little bit more designed, intentionally designed um, experiences than being able to walk together to class. So oftentimes we see this for our virtual office hours or um, showing up early or emailing students if they see students kind of dropping off or um, another example would be um, connecting with uh, surveys and doing a survey to understand where the students are coming from. I love Nancy that you're monitoring the chat, thank you. Um, the next uh, kind of third circle in that Venn diagram is social presence. And um, I just, the social presence is building a sense of community. And this is so critical to a successful online environment. And it, it's building that kind of group mentality of being able to be seen within a group. Um, one of the easiest ways to do this is by using small breakout rooms and doing small group projects with students so that they're getting to know one another in the class. Um, we have um, some fun things happening at the University of Virginia in this. One of my favorites is um, at our Darden School of Business, they have different Thursdays are their different background days. And so people will do themes on changing their virtual background in Zoom, and then they'll talk about it and there are competitions for who has like the funniest virtual background or the most creative virtual background. Um, but it's building that community. I know I just watched, um, I finally watched Invictus, which was the movie about Nelson Mandela and the rugby team and the World Cup rugby when South Africa was first um, uh, going through reconciliation um, and building that sense of belonging for an entire nation, no matter what your skin color was around a sport team, um, was a great example at huge scale of how powerful building communities can be and how, you know, as humans, we, we need to have purpose and we need to feel a sense of connection and belonging. Um, does anybody have any stories? I'm gonna open up chat again. Um, oh, yes, um, you can raise your hands in your participant window if you would like to come off of mute. Um, someone, either Drew or Nancy can bring you off of mute, but if you have a story you'd like to share um, verbally to, the, to this group, um, we can, if you raise your hand in your panelist view or in your participants view, you should have a blue hand, depending on if you're on your phone or a laptop, um, but we can take you off mute if you wanna share a story. But does anybody have a, share, a story either in chat or they'd like to share out loud of a time where, um, they really felt like they belonged to something greater than themselves. And it doesn't have to be an online class. It can be like a sporting team or a political campaign or.
revenue. We can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. Please share your story. Okay, thank you very much, Dr. Palmer. Yes, um, very um, recently in 2016, <laughs> I was selected a Mandela Washington Fellow, um, and I joined a group of 25, uh, 24 other uh, Mandela Washington Fellows from other countries around Africa. And um, um, yeah, I, I, the, one thing that really came up in my in in me was that to realize that um, I am not alone working on this um, volunteer initiative and leadership, a civic engagement leadership initiative. Um, and um, I mean, like just in a few days, maybe a couple of days, we, we are all talking the same language. Uh, we had people from South Africa, I mean, the English speakers, I'm Portuguese speaker, and we had others from uh, the French uh, community. But I mean, just in a couple of days, that, uh, because we, we are there for the same reason, which was the civic engagement initiative that we went, we are implementing in our countries, uh, we could realize that, I mean, we can collaborate together. And up from then up to, to, to date now, we are still collaborating with each other. So I, I feel like this is an, an example from my, my, my own perspective. I love it. That's a fantastic example. And it's, it's, it means so much more, right? To be able to connect and feel that sense of belonging and then have that alumni community that you can share ideas with and status on, you know, what was my civic engagement and where am I at? And, and your frustrations and your joys, right? Yes, yes. Fantastic. Thank you. And Nancy was saying she loves that, you know, we're all speaking the same language. And I think, um, again, this, this is really that kind of third critical component to building an effective online environment is figuring out ways that you can build that sense of community and that sense of belonging and get people to speak the same language. Um, so I talked a little bit about, you know, fun virtual backgrounds that Darden does or, um, Another thing that you can do is create collaboratively um, kind of class rules or, you know, what does success look like or how do we interact as a classroom and, and you can work in online classes to kind of have your, your class collaborate together for the ground rules for our class, you know, what's okay in our discussion forums, what does respect look like and, and you can create that common language for your online class and so um, there are lots of different ways to do this, uh, but I loved that story. Thank you. Um, and it's important. Um, oh, I see Nancy is saying we have another hand up. Oh, yay. I'm not going to be able to pronounce your name. Is it Web, Web Not John? I think you're up and not muted if you want to share your story. Okay, um, I think it's the volume's not working. Um, I think there's another hand up, Brenda. Do you want to share your story? We'd love to hear from you. Um, 
I remember getting connected with Jal on, on the first 2020 or campfires and the idea of just being able to speak with people globally and, uh, and again, that shared uh, feeling and uh, thoughts and experiences. And also the follow-up where we connect with uh, each other by email. Um, I do that a lot with Megavet Kanswami, who was one of the Mandela Fellows, I think in 2017, and we continue that discussion. So there we go. Brenda, that's great. And I do think, you know, right now, because we are in this global pandemic, we all feel it. You know, we're all going through different phases of lockdown or quarantine or caring about our friends and our neighbors and, you know, our own wealth, health and well-being and employability and access to food and safety. And so it really is a unique time. Hopefully it's a unique time that we will not have this again in our lifetimes. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to another key concept. Um, so I talked about the community of inquiry and we had, um, I can't remember if I have another slide. No, I don't. Okay, so I'm gonna summarize the community of inquiry again, quick. Um, that's the main research framework that we've used at the University of Virginia. It's been around for about 30 years. There's the cognitive, like the meat and bones of the course, the social, that building the community, and then the teaching presence, the showing up and connecting to whoever your mentor, guide, instructor is. Um, another key concept in designing effective online learning is backwards design. And so this is not the end of my presentation, <laughs> but the idea is it's starting with the end in mind. And so whether it's um, doing a webinar or if it's a 16 week uh, university course, it's really looking at what do you want your participants to leave with? You know, what, what, what are they supposed to learn? And, and then designing your learning objectives, your assignments, um, the interactions you have to reach those outcomes. And so backwards design is one of the fundamental concepts in instructional design when we're looking at how we teach. It's really understanding what do we want the students to learn at the end of the semester and then designing the activities, um, the assignments, uh, the readings, the engagements with one another to get to those learning outcomes to the end. Um, the other really big idea in online learning is a concept called universal design. And I'm just, I'm just giving you one concept here. It's the plus one concept. But in universal design, you're really designing for all different types of learners, all different types of abilities. Um, we have some people that love reading everything. We have other people that like doing video. We have some people that like being front and center. We have some people that like being at the back of the room. And universal design plus one is a great strategy to bring into designing your online engagements. And it's, it's essentially adding one modality or adding one choice. And so if, it's, if you're gonna be teaching about you know, pride and prejudice, um, maybe, you allow the students to watch the movie or read the book. Or if you're doing an assessment, um, you allow them to um, take a multiple choice quiz or write a paper. Or if you um, want them to demonstrate their learning, they can either 
um, do a five minute presentation in front of the class or work with a team and write a paper. And so plus one is always adding one additional way for students to either learn a concept or demonstrate their learn their understanding of a concept. So um, it's looking for one additional way um, to either present the content or to demonstrate their learning. Um, and so that's, that's just one <laughs> component of universal design. That's a whole field. Um, but in designing effective online learning environments, um, what I really want you to take away today is there's this community of inquiry framework. So teaching, social, cognitive, there's uh, backwards design starting with the end in mind. And there's this uh, concept of universal design and plus one. And so the next time you're having a webinar or you're in a class or teaching online, thinking about having one additional way that students can learn what they, you want them to learn or demonstrate their learning um, and that they've learned that. So when we posted this talk, um, there were some comments about how do you help people be successful and how do you manage stress? Uh, so these two slides are about that. And we've got some polling questions around that. <clears throat> so getting stuff done, and I have a story on this. I have three sons. I have, my one son is thriving in online learning. He has his agenda. He's always on time. He makes sure he starts his assignments right away. He checks in with his instructors every day. I have another son who this online is completely not working for him. He's distracted, having a hard time turning anything in. Um, and I would love to hear from you. And we have a poll that we can do. Like, what do you find you need to get work done? So I'm gonna go ahead and launch this poll. Thank you, Drew. So we haven't had anybody voting yet. Can you folks see the poll? Okay, thank you. So what is the thing that is most important to you for getting work done when working online? And how do you manage stress? We've got about half the folks have voted. If you have, if you can vote, we'd love to hear what works for you. And then we'll, we'll dive deep a little bit in the next two slides talking about best practices. We'll leave the pull up for another 15 seconds. What's the thing that is most important to you for getting your work done? And how do you manage stress? Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and end the poll. And share the results. So hopefully everybody can see this. So what is the thing that is most important to you? Slightly ahead was having a dedicated space. <clears throat> and I hear that having a clear schedule, having power and Wi-Fi, 
We've got a couple of others. And then how do we manage stress, eating well, exercising? Oh my gosh, you guys are so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm really good at eating donuts, um, not exercising, uh, making time with friends and we're still not sure. Okay, excellent. So I'm gonna go ahead and stop sharing. I love that everybody's exercising. I, I too, the dedicated space um, is one of our critical, as I said, I have three sons and both my husband and I work from home. And so um, having that space where it's your workspace, you, you know, keep it organized, you're able to have um, a mindset in that space that is, it's, it's creating a boundary. And I'll talk about that in the next slide of this is my workspace. Um, that's the number one recommendation to students is you know figuring out some dedicated study space where they're in student mode. They're not in, <clears throat> I was talking to my son last night. He's like, well, you know, I've got my desk where I know I'm working. And then I also have my bed where I'm watching YouTube videos. And I think, you know, helping students become aware of where they're most uh, efficient and um, able to concentrate. And, and for us as well, for many people, I, I've worked remotely for the last eight years, but one of the things that I have found is you really need to create boundaries of what's your home life versus what's your work life. Um, and it's the same with instructors who are now teaching remotely of where are your boundaries for when you can answer students, um, when they can connect with you versus when you get to be on your own and have your own space. Um, structure, you know, having some sort of calendaring system that works for you um, and support, like having that community, you know, the instructor that's reaching out to you and saying, hey, have you got this done? Or um, intentionally reaching out to your colleagues when you have projects um, so that there's some accountability. I know we have this I'll talk a little bit about DeAfrica at the end of this, but we have that through our, our social group where we have WhatsApp mentors um, and being able to connect. One of our early participants, Salam, she's like, I need, I need somebody to ping me and say, hey, have, have you watched those videos? Have you done the assessment? Have you know that weekly check-in with your peers to make sure that you keep moving? Oh. I forgot I added the slide. This is one of my favorite online classes and Barb Oakley is just, she's a fabulous person. Uh, if you're struggling with being able to focus, um, Barb Oakley is, looks at the cognition of learning and she has this fabulous online course. Um, it has reached you know, millions of people, uh, but she talks about the Pomodoro technique and chunking and um, diffuse versus focused thinking. Uh, and I completely recommend this course. So if you haven't seen this course or you haven't taken this course and you're trying to figure out how you can be more effective or helping your children or your students be more effective, this is an excellent course around the cognition of learning and how like the science behind learning that I was gonna talk about stress. So um, there's a ton of information out there. That's what I'm trying to communicate. Um, and it's there's a lot of great content out there of like what is needed. Um, I'm super impressed at all the exercisers on this uh, call. Right now I'm in quarantine in Canada. I'm not even allowed to walk around the block. Um, it's very difficult. Um, nutrition, sleep and exercise are for sure, you know, drinking enough water, um, 
I have found in my own personal life working remotely, um, having those clear boundaries. Um, some people, they'll wear a suit jacket and they'll come to work and then they change. Um, I had a, a, someone that I managed that was a remote uh, employee when I was back at Hewlett Packard in the 90s. And he'd be like, oh, I ran to work today, which was really just running to his desk from his bedroom. Um, but having those boundaries of like distinct, like I'm now in working mode or I'm now at home. Um, and, you know, we know that there's a bunch of science around having your cell phone at the dinner table and how, you know, if somebody disconnects, everybody disconnects. Um, boundaries, I think, are super critical right now. And then the other things that I have found valuable over you know, my career and working remotely for the last eight years, um, volunteering. And so my volunteering profile has changed a little bit now that we're in COVID. I used to volunteer a lot in my kids' schools. And now I do a food pantry that you know, I pick up green bags um, to help uh, donate food to the food pantry. But the, having that um, sense of purpose where you're helping someone else um, has is there's all sorts of science around how that helps you kind of balance your own life and feel you now a sense of purpose and belonging, which is all great. Um, the other thing to do, and you know, in case you don't already do this, this is something that I've learned is intentionally connecting. So I have set up one-on-one -on -one meetings with you know, friends from grad school, um, friends from different phases of my career, colleagues from work, where it's not an ongoing one-on-one, -on -one, but just touching base and connecting with people and really intentionally connecting with people um, and reaching out. So that, that's my experience and advice on uh, managing stress and being able to be effective. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about DeAfrica. At the beginning, we talked about um, what is effective online learning and how do you design effective online learning? And um, <clears throat> uh, we've had this program. Siddiqui is the co-founder and president of Distance Education of Africa. He's on if you, anybody wants to chat with him. Um, Distance Education for Africa is a nonprofit that is headquartered in Nairobi, Kenya, and Siddiqui is in Washington, DC. And back in 2015, UVA went into a partnership with them um, to provide free online classes to any learner in Africa. And it's mostly around workforce skills, business skills. And so over the past, um, actually, I'm going to go to a different slide. <clears throat> over the past five years, um, this slide looks at what our impact has been. And so we have, <laughs> it's it's been a really fabulous program where we've now reached learners in all countries in Africa and we've granted over 20,000 scholarships. And you can see on this slide, some of the classes we've had, we've had a specialization in business strategy, design thinking, um, project management, uh, digital transformation. We've had a lot of interest in entrepreneurship um, and so this coming year, we're focusing on entrepreneurship and looking at adding a few more uh, university partners to provide content. Um, but it's been a pretty amazing journey. And now I'm gonna go back to my previous slide. Um, and this is how it was designed. So we designed it, we brought back in that community of inquiry framework. And so for cognitive presence, the, the coursework that D'Africa uses is based on Coursera and it's a, 
It's a mobile first platform. So it's designed for mobile devices. It's also designed that you can download all the content offline and complete the content on your own pace. You have to do the assessments online, um, but it's a pretty flexible modality for Africa for if there are Wi-Fi or power issues, you can um, get access to the content um, and go through it at your own pace. We have for teaching presence, we had some online synchronous sessions, but with the time zone change, it was challenging. And so we have mentors that are regional mentors um, that people can reach out to. And they're kind of the first line of defense for frequently asked questions or support with the coursework. And then for social presence, um, I think the most effective thing is we've been, had several gra graduation ceremonies. Um, due to COVID, we're not having graduation ceremonies, but we're looking at expanding the events we do because we're looking at entrepreneurship for 2021. We're looking at some Shark Tank ideas of having competitive pitches for what new businesses might be. Um, and then we use WhatsApp um, to connect um, and build community uh, with our mentors in the different regions in Africa. And so that's what we've done for to Africa. And that was the end of my slideshow. So I see some comments around the link for learning how to learn. Thank you. Um, Great, Chris, and it's Nancy. I'm also gonna pull out a couple. Um, in fact, they relate really well, I think, to something you just said. Uh, earlier, Liv had noted, um, you know, that she feels like she's able to check all the boxes for working in an online environment, but this COVID season has been a huge lesson in how much uh, the work requires social connections, these small asides before and after meetings, and, and spaces that encourage candor and dialogue, and a question about how can we or can we reproduce that organically um, in a digital world. And then Francisco chimed in about the use of WhatsApp, which you just mentioned, you know, is WhatsApp a tool for the type of thing that Liv just mentioned? And how do you see WhatsApp playing with other, other forms of technology? Francisco says he's using it as um, these informal chats just to check in with his students and to keep, uh, keep everybody connected, so. Yeah, I am, um, part of me thinks it's, um, technology advances ahead of what we as humans, how we change, right? And I think the, um, the story that I heard from a friend a few weeks ago that still resonates with me is she's getting everything done, but there's no well of reserve for if things get harder or if something falls down, like the, the, the capacity, um, the capacity to rebound is there's just not a deep well there. And I think um, my brother had this uh, analogy, you know, probably 15 years ago now, he's my older brother, but he said, um, you know, he thinks of his life in buckets. There's kind of like his health, his kids, his job, society. And if, if any one bucket is off, if the other buckets are okay, kind of manage it. But at least in the United States where there, we have a bunch of, you know, there's COVID, um, there's unemployment, there's um, racial injustices, there's kind of a circus going on politically. 
there's a lot of buckets that are, are empty who <laughs> are sloshing around. And, and so it's harder to balance our own lives because there's just not that same kind of stability or reservoir. And, and I appreciate the idea of like WhatsApp and I, we've had, um, like happy hours or game nights or water cooler chats where um, intentionally designing casual uh, online environments where people can have check-in. I think one of my favorites lately has been uh, Justin Reich, who's uh, a thought leader in online learning and specifically around um, access and affordability of online learning. Um, he has a book group right now called um, uh, it, it doesn't matter, but he has a book group that's meeting weekly where it's just kind of candid and has panel discussions. I think presidential precinct with the fireside chats, you know, like trying to create these opportunities that are more organic, um, but it's, it's hard. There's not a, a deep reservoir there. I wish I had a magic wand and could make it all better. I have a mask. Kristen, we've got another great uh, question actually from Daniel, I see here in the chat. Um, and it's about this component of communities of inquiry of the social presence, you know, about group belonging and community. A question about how you define success in that sphere. Do you set goals for this? Um, and do you require engagement or is it pretty loose? Yeah, I think it's totally up to the instructor and it really depends on what your situation. I think the, the main message with the large shift to remote learning is people aren't thinking about the social structure at all and they're not trying to create that community or sense of belonging um, and that's an epic fail. Um, I do think it depends on what your environment is and what your capacity is and what your skills are. And so I think um, and, you know, at the University of Virginia, we really, our main idea was to make sure that fall 2020 was better than spring 2020. And um, I was like, well, what does that mean? You know, how are we going to measure that? Uh, is it going to be qualitative where it's student reaching out to students and touching base and seeing are they happier or not? Or is it going to be, you know, quantitative where we're looking at what are grades for students? Um, I think it really depends on what your situation is. And I'm happy if you wanna meet one-on-one, uh, -on -one, I'm happy to talk about what you're trying to design for and what might be some ideas for uh, bringing that social presence and how to evaluate if it's effective or not. Great, Kristen Reginald in the chat, give a nice shout out to DE Africa. Looks like he's connected with, uh, with UVA and DE Africa before, which is cool. And we also have a question from our colleague Sahainau. Um, he is wondering, um, and it's related to that, um, do online learners have any difficulty accessing distance learning in Africa um, through the internet, you know, either due to um, political constraints, perhaps on some of the courses, or maybe even due to interruptions, you know, in, in internet access due to um, conflict? For sure. <laughs> There's, the easy answer to that is yes. The solution to that is not easy. Um, we actually, the, the biggest uh, issues we've seen have actually been in China around latency and, and access. Um, but indeed, we we do have um, students that travel international borders or are 
you know, downloading things in internet cafes that they don't want to be caught downloading things. Um, and uh, that is for sure. If you are looking for free online classes, UVA does have a partnership with DeAfrica and we will continue to do that. We are committed to doing that. Um, but there are definitely regional and, and specific social and political issues. But hopefully education will make it better. Yeah, access to internet, power sources, and a calm place. Amen. I, yes. I think that goes back to talking about the, when people are designing online um, environments, realize that all of your participants are going to be coming from a different place. And some people will have super luxe Wi-Fi with, you know, fast connection speeds. Other people are going to be limited to, once a month, um, uploading download from an internet cafe and, and that kind of plus one idea of having alternate ways to get learning and to demonstrate learning. And so um, with the Sherry Blair Foundation, um, they have a program in Africa around women's entrepreneurship and all of their content um, we designed to be audio only uh, so that it doesn't take up the same bandwidth as uh, Coursera's video. Yeah, expensive. I hope, I think we're about at time. Hopefully there's a, you know, community of inquiry, social presence, teaching presence, cognitive presence, that universal design plus one, adding one more modality, um, backwards design, starting with the end in mind, um, creating some, uh, an environment and schedule for yourself to be successful, creating some supports to be, um, to reduce stress. Um, and if anybody is interested in the DeAfrica program, we'd love to have you. Um, you can check out the DeAfrica site and sign up for our next class. We've got one more class in 2020 and then 2021 is going to be focused on entrepreneurship. Great, Kristen, I think we're just about ready to wrap up our event here. Drew, maybe you can, uh, yep, thanks so much. Let me start my video, great. We just wanna thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing your thoughts and ideas with us today. And I, I love this new um, collective vocabulary that you've helped us develop. Um, you know, as you said, you know, communities of, of inquiry and cognitive and social and teaching components, backwards design, I jotted all these things down, universal design. Um, we'd love it if you'd be able to share your presentation with us um, and we can post it on the PPN for, um, for reference for our network members. That would be great. Um, and Kristen, you also... Um, Oh, great. Yeah, see, good learning how to speak French and uh, uh, more courses in French and English this coming year. Great, too. And I know um, Portuguese also obviously in big demand on the continent. So 
Um, but, uh, and also Kristen, you mentioned that folks get in touch with you um, if in the chat, you could put the best way for folks to reach you. That would be awesome. Thank you for your generosity um, and mentioning that as well. Yep, Kristen at virginia.edu. So perfect. Great. Well, I think with that, we will um, close. Although actually, Joao does have one last comment. Kristen, you want to take that one? Sure. Would there be easy tools to make assessment of kids of their learning challenges to make classes universally accessible? No, <laughs> there's not, unfortunately. Um, I do think that kind of plus one and um, the plus one design, uh, every kid is different. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of back and forth about the myth of learning styles, but I do think each child, everybody learns and, and thrives in different environments. And so having, um, I think that plus one in universal design of uh, letting students, one of my favorite instructors, and I know this is kind of a longer story, so I'm sorry, but um, is uh, the plaid Avenger from uh, Virginia Tech. And he's a history professor that always wears plaid. Um, and what he does for his assessments is everybody starts out at a zero and he gives about, I don't know, probably a hundred different assignments that people can do. And each assignment has a certain number of points and then they game up to those points. And it's just really flipping that idea of how you're demonstrating learning and, and letting the students be in control of um, what path they're gonna take through your content and how they're gonna demonstrate to you that they're learning those key concepts that you know from backwards design, um, but allowing them to navigate their own way. And so for some students, um, I know I have one kiddo, he loved, uh, dressing up and kind of doing presentations as that historical character or in that space. Um, I love writing papers. <laughs> so um, everybody's different and there's not an easy answer for how to do that. Great. Good. Well, thank you so much. It was great to see everybody here today and a really um, fun and interesting conversation. And I think um, it, it really does show us what's possible and, and give us some ideas about how we can infuse some of these concepts into our own online, online learning uh, design and, and implementation. So um, wanted to um, just let everybody know we are our final um, uh, online event for the this 2020 season is going to be on December 10th. It's a second conversation about gender equality, a conversation between um, Susan and Rick Goings. Um, Rick Goings is our, a member of our board um, who is formerly the C, uh, CEO of Tupperware Brands, of major global brands, and he's done a lot of work in the um, women's empowerment space, especially um, some really leading thinking about how uh, men and boys can be allies for women and girls in the fight for gender equality. So um, keep an eye out for that um, on December 10th. Uh, it'll be at this at the same time, 10 o'clock Charlottesville time. And we hope you're able to join us for that. So great. Good. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining. And uh, again, Kristen, uh, all of our friends around the world, we really look forward to, uh, to continuing this conversation on the PPN. And we'll see you next time.